Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. This week, we're going to be learning how to take better photos and how to fix the ones that maybe didn't quite have the right lighting. You want to stick around because we're going to be showing you how to do that using free software, and we're going to tell you where to get it. Also, you remember the Data Traveler 2000 from Kingston? This is the encrypted USB flash drive. This thing is incredible. I carry it with me everywhere, and we've been collecting your ballots over the past few weeks. We're going to be giving one of these away this week, so you definitely want to stick around till the end of the show, and if you have cast a ballot, it could be yours. So, here you go. <laughs> This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit our website, Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN. And the International Association of Internet Broadcasters, cat5.tv slash IAIB. Welcome to the show, everybody. Nice to have you back. Episode number 598 is here. So close to 600. Two weeks away. Yeah, yeah. I did the math real quick. You see how I'm like, boom, boom, boom. Yes. 598 plus two, 600. 600. 600 weeks of Category 5 Technology TV. Thank you for putting up with me for so long. I appreciate that. You're welcome. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. <laughs> Uh, all right, a quick check-in on our BitTorrent seed server from last week. Yes. It looks like, uh, well, it's going really well. Yes. That was going to be your question, right? Yes. You're like, ha, 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 ha. He reads my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are seeding several seasons of Category 5 TV. Uh, plus, we've got a couple of versions of Nem Li NEMS Linux uh, that we're seeding as well, and more still to come. Yes. If you're curious about it, if you want to learn how to set up your very own BitTorrent server on an Odroid HC1. I've got this. It's episode 597. Do it. Category <laughs> 5 Technology TV on our website, category5.tv, and uh, we'll walk you through that. Before we jump into it this week, uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and also click on the bell, and then you'll receive notifications whenever we post new and exciting content. Or as Garby mentioned in the chat room, I only knew you were live because... I got the notification on YouTube. Right. So click that bell so that when we are live, because we broadcast live also through YouTube, uh, mm -hmm. you'll be able to get that notification. It would be good. Good to know. Should we get right into it? We should. All right. So this week we are looking at lighting correction in the GNU image manipulation program. Right. Sometimes you take photos and things don't quite look the way that you had seen them in person. And then you're like, oh, if only... If only I could fix that shot. Well, the GNU Image Manipulation Program, or AKA GIMP, is absolutely free. It's kind of like a, a Photoshop alternative, we'll call it. Uh, yes. But it's a free image manipulation program, or that's a fancy way to say it. It's a photo editor. Right. And I've been learning some things like yeah. all along we get little lessons and by we get, I mean I get from Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> Ways where eventually I'm gonna be like a GIMP pro. And today, a GIMP pro. Today, I will learn lighting. Fantastic. In grade three, I was a GIMP pro. I was making friendship bracelets for That's all my right. friends. <laughs> That's and how terms have changed. <laughs> how terms have changed. But when you take a photo mm -hmm. and you realize, oh, no, 
the curtains were open and I've got some blinding light coming in from the window. Right. And so the room is absolutely dark in the photo. We need to be able to fix those. So tonight we're going to learn a little bit about color, uh, not color correction, but um, lighting correction in the GNU Image Manipulation Program. And, uh, and then we're going to talk about how we can improve our photography as well so that we don't have to go through the onerous process of modifying our photos. But we're going to use one tool. Okay. One tool in the GNU Image Manipulation Program in order to do this. So if you follow along with us this week, you're going to be able to do this as well and improve your photos so that they look better uh, when you put them up on your website, you're using them on your blog, mm -hmm. particularly of interest if you're taking pictures for a customer. Right. I know I did web design as, as like a home business before, uh, you know, years ago. And I would often go in and take pictures of, of um, rental units, and, and I was doing some photography for, uh, for real estate. Right. And it's particularly um, problematic when you take a bunch of pictures of the suite that they're trying to sell, and uh, the lighting is way off, and you know, you'd, you'd never would admit it to the customer, but oh, I kind of messed up, and the lighting wasn't right, so we need to go back and take it again. No, we'll use free software. Get it at GIMP.org. It's available for Windows, Mac, and Linux. Nice. So regardless of what platform you're on, you'll be able to use this. I've got a handful of select pictures from my own repository to use for this demonstration. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to open the first one, which has extreme backlighting. I'm going to open this in the GNU Image Manipulation Program version 2.10 on my Windows 10 system. Now, remember, this will operate on Windows, Mac, and Linux. But today we're using it on Windows 10, just to show you how this, how this mm -hmm. looks. So here's a case where this beautiful photo of a bedroom is slightly destroyed by the fact that there's a lot of sunlight coming in from that there window. Yes, there is. And because of that, my camera has set the, um, the exposure level based on the amount of light coming in from that window. Mm -hmm. So now the room itself, which is actually the focal point of my photograph, is really, dark. really dark. The yeah. colors are off, and it's very, very dark. So I'm going to use, I mentioned I'm going to use one tool this week. Um, on a future episode, we're also going to be looking at color correction, but this week we are strictly looking at levels. Okay. So basically lighting adjustments. So with our Levels tool, we're going to be able to correct this. So I'm going to right-click and go Colors, Levels. We've seen this tool on Category 5 Technology TV before. <coughs> on the left-hand side, these are your shadows. So if I grab this little triangle mm -hmm. and bring it in, it's going to get more shadowy, more. a.k.a. darker. Okay. If I grab the right triangle, this is our highlights. So that is going to bring it in. It's going to make it the opposite of shadows. Yeah. Any guesses, Sasha? Come on, I'm waiting uh, for it. Lighter. That was, that was your cue. Yeah, yes, lighter. Lighter. Yeah. lighter. Yeah. More highlighty. <laughs> <laughs> so you see what's happening there? It's brightening up, brightening up, brightening up. But the colors are still off. Yes. So what I need in order to correct colors is what's called white balance. Have you ever heard that term? Yes, not that I would understand exactly what it means. Well, but. It, when you think about a photograph or um, visual imagery, like converted mm -hmm. to digital, white balance is basically telling the computer yeah. what 
of this photo is meant to be white. And if that's supposed to be white, then that thing that looks yellow right now should probably be a little bit more toward the blue spectrum. And so, right, right? Okay. because lighting and, and exposure can really mess with the colorization of a photo. So do you then have to pick in the picture what the real proper color is? Like you find the real white in there and just click and tell it? That's a very good way to do it, Sasha. Okay. A very quick way to do it, okay. I should say. Because otherwise we can, yeah, we can tweak the colors. And as I said, we're going to be looking at colorization and, and correcting colors in a future episode. Mm -hmm. But by, by finding something in the photo that should be white, mm -hmm. we're able to tell our computer that should be white so everything else can be adjusted based on the fact that that should be white. That's called white balance. Okay. So I got this. it's a really great way to be able to correct the colorization and the brightness of your photo. So you can tell that my camera has basically said um, the outside, so the, the sunlight that's coming in, which we know is not actually white, mm -hmm. it, it, that looks very, very white to me. Mm -hmm. So my camera has probably determined that the light that's coming in from the window is white. Mm -hmm. And that's why the colorization of the scene looks a little bit off. It's very brown on the spectrum. So I'm going to bring back up my levels, colors, levels and there are three mysterious buttons here that i want you to get familiar with this doppler is for shadows okay this doppler is for gray okay. and this doppler is for white we're not looking at photography just yet but you can actually purchase off of amazon or any you can walk into a, photo, a photography store and you can get swatches basically like a a template that it has white gray and black on it so that as you're taking photos you can hold it up take a photo and then that becomes your base image so that you have oh. something to doppel that is specifically white i find it's helpful like if i'm taking a photo uh, photo of a nature scene mm -hmm. sometimes i'll actually kind of off to the corner off to the side i'll put a piece of white paper or something that i know should be white especially in a scene where the, i i can tell so think think of this as you're taking your photo. Mm -hmm. Is there anything white in this scene? Because right. if there isn't, your camera's probably going to go off on the color because it's going to try to detect the white balance. It's not going to find anything that's white, so it's not going to be able to do it. Like pick the closest white. Yeah, so, yeah. It, it, so to put that into perspective, if somebody's wearing uh, an off-white blue shirt, so like a really, really light-colored blue shirt, mm -hmm. the camera will interpret that as white, and so then the entire room will be white balanced to that as white. And that's a blue, technically. So yes. Then everything else will So all the like... blue will come out of the image. Right. So now everything is very much toward the kind of orangey yellow, red oh. kind of end of the spectrum, right? Okay. So it messes up the photograph. Right. So we're going we're gonna to correct that now. So in this photo, I mentioned these three tools here. And the only one that I'm going to use right now is to pick my white point. So I'm going to select this Doppler right here, and within the photo, I just want to find somewhere that I feel should be white. And in looking at this photo, I see a baseboard that is painted white, so that's a good spot. The um, ceiling, perhaps? But it has, yeah, the ceiling is good. Um, the baseboard has a little bit too much shadowing, so I think it's going to brighten up my image too much. Um, the area around, like the actual uh, window valance here, is painted white. But you said the ceiling. So you can see how over here, mm -hmm. it's quite, 
quite bright, but then it falls into shadows over here. So this is going to be turning out a little bit darker. So let's try it. Let's select somewhere in the kind of intermediary brightness area. So right about here, I'm going to select that as my white point. And you see what happens because there are shadows up here. Yes, the colorization has improved. Right. However, it's but really, it's really bright. Yes. Because of that shadow. They live on the sun. Yeah. The so picture. let's bring that in a little bit tighter into the white area of the ceiling up here. Now, this is probably like a stucco ceiling, and I'm clicking all over the place. So there are parts of this ceiling that are not going to be pure white. There's going to be some gray specks and some shadows. So let's try in around the frame of the window here. Okay, I'm starting to see some good colorization, but I, again, have some kind of wicked-looking um, brightness, right? So... But the colors are looking natural. The, the wall doesn't seem unnatural now. So if I turn back off my preview, that's what it looked like. That's what it looks like now. So I start to feel like, wow, the, the white of the window frame here, the window sill, is turning into an, a pretty nice white balance for my photo. Right. So I've been able to select that. But it's way too bright. So, okay. Right? So, so now... You can play with the shadow slider. Right? Yeah, I could, but oh. the shadows are natural. Oh, I don't okay. want to pull those in too tight because then I'm going to get too much shadow. Oh, okay. Instead, there's this nice happy medium gray area. And with this gray one in the middle, I'm going to take that and drag it a little bit toward the light, which means I'm actually removing some of the light and pulling it toward, I'm actually adding more shadows, but in a much more subtle sense. Okay. So you see what I'm able to do? Yes. So I'm getting um, a much more natural colorization on those walls. Um, the bedspread looks a lot more natural. Things look a lot cleaner. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it about there. Okay. Turn off the preview. So that's my original. Very dark. Very undersaturated. And then brightened way up. There we have. Wow. Much more improved. Now, this is not a perfect photograph because now the, the window is super, super bright. The window looks like you live on the sun. But the colorization <laughs> is correct. Yeah. And... Everything else about the photo looks a lot better. I really love this. Mm. So let's jump back to my photos. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use another example. Okay. We've got another window here. Let's see if it loads up. Here we go. Okay, so this window is interesting because this window has some things outside. It's a little hard for you to see at home. If I darken it a little bit, let's just darken this scene a little bit for okay. you so that you can see. See outside? I see some trees. I oh, see some houses. Now I do. Yeah. But if I do that, what I've just done, look at what it does to the room. Oh. The room is like pitch black. So we've got an interesting case here where, okay, now we've got that backlight that's really creating a, sh a shaded room. But I don't want to lose the scenery outside. It's especially the case if I've got a photograph of like a, a, a suite that's overlooking a beach. Right. You know, you right. really want to be able to see that beachfront property outside, but you don't want the room to be black. So there's a little bit of trickiness to this and a little bit of hackiness. First of all, what I want to do is I'm going to create a duplicate of the layer. I want to have a backup of that layer. So now I have two of them. They're identical. So either one of these are exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So with this first layer, I'm actually going to darken it a little bit so that I can see outside. So I, I'm simply, I'm not changing the white balance. I'm just darkening the photo so that I can see outside. 
See what's happening there? Yes. So I can see that's a nice looking landscape. I've got some trees. It's not perfect, but I want to get it so that at least I can see what's happening outside. I can see that there's more going on in the scene than just the room itself and just a white window. But now the room is dark. So now if I turn back on that lower layer and turn off the top one, you see what happens when I switch between them? Yeah. Okay, so I've got the window. This is going to be my window scene, and this is my room scene. So let's correct the room scene. So I'm going to go colors, levels, and again, I want to improve the white balance because this is obviously undersaturated. The, the wall color is obviously off. I'm going to grab some white from the pillow. Look at how that Bam. just kind of brought the room right out of that. Now I'm going to grab the grays and brighten up the room a little bit. But notice how I've completely lost my window. Okay. Right. That's why I wanted to darken out another layer for my window. So there's the window layer, and here's the bedroom layer. So now I've got two layers to work with. So let's go back to our window layer. I'm going to zoom in a little bit here. And this is where things get a little bit hacky. So we're, we're taking it real easy tonight. I'm just going to grab my uh, lasso marquee here, okay. free select tool they call it, and I'm grabbing the outside of the window frame, not the inside because I don't want to mess up the brightness of the inside, and you're going to see that in just a moment. I'm going to just kind of trace around anything that is inside the suite. Okay. See that? So yeah. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to trace around that. Hit enter to save that selection. So now I've got a selection that is that window. Can you see that marquee? It's a little bit difficult, but it is there. Now I'm going to hold in my left shift key mm -hmm. so that I can multi-select. So now I'm selecting another marquee on the other pane of the window. I'm going to go around these pieces of fruit as well as I can. Take your time a little more than I am, but this <laughs> is for a demonstration. But you can see how quickly I can do this. And well, I'm just doing this with a touchpad on my While you're selecting mouse. that, can I just yeah. ask you, um, the Foo wants to know, did you shoot in RAW for this to be possible? These were shot in JPEG, okay. in auto so. mode, and that's intentional for the sake of the demonstration because for, for a lot of users, you're just going to be shooting from your camera and getting the best shot that you can just by pointing and clicking. Exactly. And, okay. and then it's the regret afterwards where, oh, I really wish I could have made that a little bit better. We're going to try to fix that up a little bit. So I'm tracing around this. So these are just shot JPEG uh, in auto mode. So I've traced around, hit enter. So now I have both of those panes selected. So just to show you, mm -hmm. I'm going to control C, control V, and then turn off that layer and create a new layer so that you can see what I've actually done. So right. that's what I've actually just selected, selected. And, and, and highlighted. So what I want to do now, I'm going to turn on all my layers with that selection, I'm going to right-click on the top layer, which is my window layer, and I'm going to add layer mask. With that, I'm going to choose the selection because I want to create the mask based on my selection. And are you ready for the magic? Mm -hmm. I'm going to add that. Now, it's left my window like that. Look at that. Okay. Mm. That is incredible. Now I'm going to zoom out. So that you can see how those two layers, those two different versions, have now merged together, and so quickly. Like I'm doing this live. Man, so you're there's my window. All the Windows problems. Yeah, <laughs> not all of them. <laughs> I'm on Windows 10. It's probably going to crash. <laughs> so there you have it. So there's another example of 
how things look. Now, keep in mind, I've got links below. This is kind of hard to see on your TV, but I've got links below if you're watching this on YouTube or on our website, Category5.tv, where you can download the full-sized image, and you can actually see the difference between the original and the version that I've created here tonight live on the air. But I can definitely see that yeah. on my screen, that that just looks stellar. Now, another trick that I could use... so. And this is something that I would recommend that you do. And this is just kind of a side tip for you. Mm-hmm. There's something about when you create a, a clip like that, how there are these stark lines. And sometimes those can be very, very visible because, like, see that bl- the, the kind of blue line right there? Yes. That's because there's a bit of a shadow right there that's a part of the other layer. So what I want to do instead, so let's just backtrack a little bit. And with this layer here... I want to, now I've got my selection, I'm going to right-click and go select, and I'm going to feather. Oh, okay. Now observe the dimensions of your image. This is 4272 by 2848. So I can say probably about 50 pixels, and, and you will be able to gauge this as you grow as a, a visual editor. Uh, I'm going to say 50 pixels is about right. It might be about 30. But let's try that. I'm gonna, now I'm going to lay, add my layer mask. And what I did there... I'm going to turn off the bottom layer, is that I softened the edge. Oh, Do you see that? It's not so stark. So now when I turn back on the bottom layer, that blue line that was there is much more natural looking because there's a little bit of a gradient. Right. Leading from one photo into the other. And then you end up with this nice soft edge on the curtain here that really looks so natural that you would swear that that's actually just the light pouring into the room. Right. It's beautiful. So then you end up with a photo that's perfectly usable. And again, you can check out the original image below. Let's jump back to my samples. And one final um, item with the uh, white balance correction. Let's bring up the typical scene, the bathroom, where lighting is always off. (laughs) Color is always off. Right. And it doesn't look terrible, but there's a very definite yellow hue. So I'm going to right-click and go Colors, Levels. And, and I'll just say, I want to show you this on multiple different images because I know your images are going to vary from mine. Mm-hmm. So we're learning techniques. We're not learning specifics. These are techniques that you can use in order to improve your photos after the fact. I'm going to choose that white Doppler like I did before. And I see from this image, I've got a white toilet. I've got white towels, but they may be speckled with some gray. I've got a white uh, curtain and I've got a white sink. But the white sink has some grays in it. You see that? Mm -hmm. So we know that that's a little bit off, but let's grab that and watch what that does to the room. Wow. Do you see that? Yes. And if I click on the wrong thing, let's say I tell it that white is actually this brown tile. (laughs) It's going to completely mess up the photo. See what happens? Now, now how are you going to find Yeah. Well, you can click anywhere else. If I click on a brown towel, it's going to say brown is the color. And that's what I'm talking about, how if you don't have any white in your photo, your camera is going to select the wrong thing as being white. So let's grab the sink because I think that's going to give us a really nice white balance. You can see if I turn off the preview, so now it's off. Right. You can see how it's got a real yellow hue. It's kind of like there's a, a mask over top of the entire image giving it that yellow look. Mm-hmm. Turn back on the white balance that I created from the sink and it's got that really pops out. You can see that the colors are right. And now I can safely adjust my shadows and make that look the way that the room actually, in fact, looks. And there you have it. That is bananas. 
bananas. You heard it here, folks. Uh, lighting and color corrections, these are corrective actions once we've already taken the photos. Right. So we've taken it, and now we've we realize we made a mistake once we've imported them. We need to fix these photos. We're going to show you after the break a couple of tips that can quickly help you to just take better photos right out the gate so that there's a little less corrective action that needs to be done and you can actually just take better photos from ground one. Nice. Stick around. For a limited time, get your hands on limited edition shirts from the Category 5 TV network. These high-quality shirts are manufactured by Teespring, a fundraising website, and your purchase will help support the shows we produce. Get yours today and send us your pictures to be featured on the corresponding show. Visit cat5.tv shirts to support us and get your official network shirt today. cat5.tv shirts. All right, welcome back. Let's get into it. You've got some questions in the chat room. Absolutely. Okay, so Solbu was asking, um, what if after you've taken the picture, you discover there's nothing at all white in it? So, mm. bef like, before, you could just use a piece of paper and just add it to the corner, right? But what if not? Right. So why would we do that? Why would I take a piece of paper and put it in the corner? It's so that afterwards I have something I can doppel. Right. Because I know when I'm looking through the camera lens or through the, through the uh, whatever you call that, the viewfinder, I'm able to see, oh, you know what? There's nothing white in the photo. So we have to kind of think ahead as a photographer. Like if I'm taking pictures, when I'm taking pictures in a, in a suite, mm -hmm. I'm looking at things like, are the bedspreads wrinkled? Are the photos straight? Are the lights, are the lampshades on straight? Those kinds of things. Like as, as you're taking photos, whether you're professional or not, you've got to kind of think of these things. And one of those okay. things is, what in this photo is going to give me white balance? Right. Okay. So instead of you taking the picture, hypothetically, yes. I'm taking the picture. And I'm pretty much taking take the, the picture lens like cap this. Off. I'm like, take the lens cap off. Turn the camera around. Yeah. Okay. Put the batteries in. Zero white things in my. There's nothing white. <laughs> I'm so gonna get beat up on YouTube. Yeah. There is. N there's nothing white that's in my fine. picture. It's like it's just. So that's where color correction comes in. Okay. That's happening. On a future episode, I want to say next week, but I know that we've got some things happening next week, and, yeah. and it may not happen. And I want to be here for it, and I'm not here. Oh next well, that's week, perfect. So, so don't. So do two weeks week. from now, okay. we're going to be looking at color correction, <laughs> which is different. We're going to actually be able to adjust the colors without oh, okay. something to base our white. No white on. in the picture, and that okay. takes creativity. Nice thing about white balance is we know, hey, that piece of paper is supposed to be white, so let's doppel that, and it will fix the colorization based on that. Right. Well, if you don't have anything white in the photo, there is gray Doppler. So if you find something that's uh -huh. supposed to be gray in the photo, then you can adjust things based on that. Right. But you can also use color uh, correction tools, uh, desaturation tools, things like that, that will be able to assist you as well. Okay. So those are things that we're going to be looking at. But backing up, so you've got the camera. Yes. And I said, you know, before the break, we looked at how we could correct photos um, that we've already taken. Mm -hmm. But as we're taking photos, as I mentioned, we kind of want to we want to be smart about what we're doing. So I've got my camera and I'm and I'm taking a shot right. and I'm looking and I'm kind of looking beyond the camera lens and saying, OK, is everything straight? Is everything looking good? Have I got something that's going to give me good white balance in this photo? And then 
I take my shot because tonight there was a there was a truck that was parked right out front of the studio and I said, oh, that's a cool shot. I want that because I've got the sun setting behind it mm-hmm. and it's coming beyond and then I took the shot. Right. Where's the truck? <laughs> Where's the truck? <laughs> Man, that's so, fast. It's the speed of light, that truck. Our camera, I mentioned yeah. when I was talking about the window. Yeah. It's going to set the exposure level based on the scene. Right, and it saw the sun. Is that yeah. what it, and then mm-hmm. it just gets everything else Well, dark. because I wanted the sky in the photo. Yeah. So, of course, as I'm setting up my shot, I've got the, the sky and I've got the truck. Mm-hmm. Well, the camera in its auto mode, because I'm assuming that we're all kind of rookie beginners and, and we're just learning how to use our cameras. And so I might, have it, I might have it in auto mode. I might have it. Um, but regardless, when I push down that button, it samples things from the scene. Right. Usually, it's a pinpoint in the middle of the scene. So if I've got this scene here, and in the center, I've got this big bright area, mm-hmm. that's what it's going to base its exposure value on. Mm-hmm. Not the truck that is, in fact, down here. Would it be a different exposure level if that bright sun was in a different part of the picture? Like if it was in the upper Absolutely. right, it would change everything. With my camera and its default auto settings, yeah. it's a pinpoint in the middle of the photo. So that's it, what that's, it's Doppling from. Oh, okay. So but that may not always be the case. Mm-hmm. But when I'm taking my photo, so I want you to grab your DSLR, and if you feel the button that is your shutter, and I, I right. want you to feel this. So push down on that. Okay. Push down all the way. Yeah, there's like... What do you feel? There's like a double. There's a double? Yeah. You feel that? Yes. With your DSLR, if you push down, sometimes we just take our photo and we, we take for granted that there are actually two buttons that are a part of this What's the first process. one? The first one is to set your exposures, set your focus. So, okay. So, okay. So, I'm taking a picture. Can I just hold it? Yeah. I will be, I will be careful. Notice this. This is something that I do, and, and this is subconscious, but... Do you notice that? Okay. So Every I, time I pick up my camera, we know if my I drop it, things. yeah, if I drop it, that's, that's as far as it's going to get. Okay. So I am, okay. That's what I do. Okay. So I am taking the picture. Do yeah. I go halfway and then all the way the rest of the way? Or do I, can I go halfway mm-hmm. and then come back off and it saves it? No. So I as have to. As soon as you to. release it, it's reset back to, hey, okay. try again. Okay. Okay. So instead what we want to do. So we want to take our camera, yeah, and we want to find a point that's in the same focal range as what we're actually taking a photo of. Right. So if I'm taking a picture of this wall, and there's a window right next to it, I could say this is my focal point, and then I can, I can, I can widen up the shot. So, okay. So when you say, okay, I'm going to point the camera, right. and then I click to take my photo, but I push all the way down to take the picture. But then it samples everything and creates the exposure level and creates this. Right. So instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, uh, that's my shot that I want, but the truck is down here. Right. So I'm actually going to look down at the truck. Don't change your depth because then you're going to have focus issues because I'm going to be setting these in a second. So here's the photo I want. I'm going to actually move down my head to the truck. Now I'm going to half press. Half press. And I'm going to hear my lens kind of focus, and I'm going to see that it's clear on my screen uh, in, in the viewfinder. And then, with it still half-pressed, I'm going to move my head up, and <gasps> then full press. It's this step I've been missing. Right? So now, 
That photo that looked like that yes. looks like that. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> so we can find that, find that point within your photo yeah. where, like, can you, can you even see it there? No. It's there. It's the same photo. That's incredible. But all it took was just looking down at the truck and then moving up. Now, this is a poor example because the weather wasn't quite what I wanted today. I was going to take a nice nature shot and it started snowing. That was the only amount of blue sky that I could find in all of Barrie. That was it, yeah. It was it. It was like a little opening. You had it all. It was a little opening. <laughs> it was but a just day. to show you, I mean, that's not the photo. I mean, you're saying, oh, well, that's a stupid truck. Yeah. That's, it just happened to be it's, parked in my it's way. It's just actually the example that we're giving that makes sense to me mm-hmm. now. So here's the, th- here's the truth of the matter is mm-hmm. Dave had one time bought me a this camera. This is her husband, yeah. Dave, yes. Bought me a camera. And I mean, I just take pictures like, I'm, I'm sure it's a picture that, or it's a camera that has the double. Sure. But a DSLR. I always found that my, my camera was better because mm-hmm. when you take <clears throat> a picture with your camera, you can touch on the screen where you want the focus to be and then just press the button. On your phone. On your phone. Yeah. Well, you can, do that with the, you can do it with the but camera, too, kind of. I'm going to take this to the next level for okay. you. So you're in my scene. So say, okay. say Sasha is my shot, okay? Right. So, but I don't want her to be right in the center of the shot. I want some of the scenery that's behind. Right. So what do I typically do is I frame my shot so that Sasha is a little off to the side, and I've got the sunset behind you, say. Right? Okay. And then I take the picture. Well, now it's looking for a focal point. It's looking for exposure. And it finds it in the sunset behind you. Okay. Because that's what's in the center of my frame. Mm-hmm. So in auto mode, that's what my camera focuses on. Right. So instead, I point it directly at you. I focus it on you with the half press. Then I move it out. And then I click all the way down. So then you are bright. There's right. not that backlight causing you to be, uh, like your facial expression, be invisible. Right. It fixes that. Ah. So now we can very, very easily, even in auto mode, take better photos. Everybody watching right now is like, they're, they're digging out their camera and they're checking for the half. Price. Yeah, try that. Yeah, there's a real thing. The one other thing that you can do, and I recommend that you do it, is start looking at lens uh, attachments. <laughs> the one. Well, of course, there's the, the UV lens. All of my cameras have a UV v lens on it. Mm-hmm. It's because they're cheap. They're clear. They don't cause apparitions. And they protect your actual physical lens. Okay? So right. this is a protective layer. But on top of that, get yourself a polarizer. 15 bucks. Oh, that's okay? not bad. What a polarizer does is it acts like sunglasses for your camera. Mm. So if you take any pictures outside, you're, you're going to be going to Whistler, BC next week. Right. You're going to be taking pictures snowboarding. Yes. Well, if you're outside There's in the snow, guess what? White. It's going to be, it's going to be <laughs> blanched completely. So you put a polarizer on yes. there and it acts like sunglasses for your camera. And it just kind of darkens it up and makes it so that it finds good exposure, good white balance. Nice. And it's like 15 bucks. You can pick them up anywhere. I wonder if I can get that shipped from Amazon to my sister's house because I'm going to visit her. There you go. Right? Yeah, you can get them on Amazon for sure. <laughs> um, so there you have it. Um, that is, uh, you know, just some quick tips for you with the GNU Image Manipulation Program. Get it for free at GIMP.org and a couple of tips for you with improving your photography out the gate so you don't have to do so many different modifications to the photo after the fact. Thank you. Let's hop on over to the newsroom. 
All right, here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category 5.TV newsroom. Sony has officially ended production of its PS Vita games console. Amazon has announced a new way for environmentally conscious shoppers to help reduce emissions, a voluntary program that lets Prime members schedule one di- specific day per week for deliveries. Microsoft is creating Windows Lite for dual-screen and Chromebook-like devices. And Linux kernel 5.0 has been released and we'll tell you what's new. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. This is the Category 5.TV Newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. Jeff Weston. Yaman. You're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cat5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. Sony has officially ended production of its PS Vita games console. The handheld console has been gradually phased out over the past few years, and this weekend, Sony announced it would be discontinuing the Vita's final two models. The PS Vita struggled against rival devices, as well as a surge in the popularity of mobile gaming. With no plans for a successor, games critics say that a Sony version of the successful Nintendo Switch is unlikely. When the PS Vita launched in Japan in 2011, it initially sold well, about 300,000 units in the Vita's first week. But these figures dropped sharply. Sony is estimated to have sold only 10 to 15 million units of the Vita's entire lifetime. In comparison, Nintendo's Switch console has sold more than 32 million units only two years after it first went on sale. Not only did the PS Vita have trouble keeping up with the popularity of Nintendo DS's family of portable gaming systems, but the final but in the years since the Vita's launch also saw an explosion in mobile gaming, with smartphones and tablets becoming powerful enough to run graphically intensive apps. Although the Vita rolled out with high-profile titles such as Uncharted, Golden Abyss, Assassin's Creed 3, Liberation, and Little Big Planet PS Vita, the beginning of the end came when Sony announced in 2015 that it would stop making its own games for the Vita, deciding to focus instead on titles for its PS4 console. In 2018, Sony said that it would cease physical production of the Vita games and that 2019 would be the final year the device was manufactured. While the PS Vita has been consigned to history, Sony is believed to be readying a new games console. Hmm, I think I- that the Switch has nailed it. Okay, so yeah, here's the thing. With the handhelds, I'll tell you, to be honest with you, I never even heard of the PS Vita. Oh, come on now. I never even heard of it. Come on now. And I have a Switch. But I have a PS4, and I'm really anticipating the PS5. Like, really right, okay. super anticipating. We're holding back buying games, knowing that it's going to happen. It's coming. Like, it's coming. Yeah. So... I feel like Sony just, it needs to pay attention to that end of things. Like, mm, I feel like Nintendo has the handhelds. They've got it. They don't... Amazingly. Yeah. Like, Nintendo was on this, like, 
Yeah. Or it, from your perspective, <laughs> kind of going down, right? Like it was not yeah. doing too well. And then all of a sudden, the Switch nailed it. Like the, nailed the it. Wii U. Nothing. The Switch is great. Like uh, we have, we have friends. We go over to their house with our Switch console. Sure. Like, like, and we, everybody connects and plays together. Yeah, we have it's Switch amazing. parties. Like, we're super cool. <laughs> <laughs> so Switch is the bomb. Now at home, we play the PS4 a lot. I mean, okay. right? Yep. So I'm excited for Sony to be focusing its attention really on the PS5 because there are some games that I'm waiting for. So. Nintendo really nailed it with the Switch. Like, yeah. amazingly so, to the point where they found a happy medium between console and mobile. Mm-hmm. It's almost annoying because some of, the, some of the games in the Nintendo store are basically mobile games. So you've got to kind of sift through. But yes. at the same time, there's some really good titles in there. And it, it functions really well. It works really well. It does such a It great translates job. really well. Like, my kids will pull it off the 55-inch TV and take it upstairs and play with it on the couch. Mm-hmm. Just seamlessly. It's brilliant. But the PS Vita was before the I don't even know what that boom. is. I'm so It's like a handheld. Sorry. Come on now. I know, but I just, I never saw it. I just don't even know. And that is the trouble. This is why they ended production. They never got to me. I just didn't even know it. Like, wow. never once even saw a commercial for the PS Vita. Maybe that's even, it. I didn't even. That's a good point. Maybe the marketing was just not there. Yeah. I didn't even know when I was reading it, how to say it. Like, is it Vita or is it Vita? Is like, it Vita? I, I've, like vitamin? never seen it and i feel like sony can do better so maybe they just weren't behind it themselves if they had pushed it better maybe it would have been a better product and there you have it there's the there's the point right there yeah she just didn't know about it yeah or else maybe i would have she's a sony fan she's got a ps4 she's waiting for the ps5 and i i'm really bad marketing was a part of it i am super brand loyal so probably it's your fault sony it's your fault sony come on (laughs) pick it up that's right Amazon has announced a new way for environmentally conscious shoppers to help reduce emissions, a voluntary program that lets Prime members schedule one specific day per week for deliveries. Last week, Amazon announced that it would be making a program widely available to Amazon Prime members that would allow them to schedule all deliveries for a single day, once a week. The so-called Amazon Day service will be voluntary and targets customers who are concerned about their carbon footprint. Grouping purchase deliveries will help Amazon cut down on emissions associated with sending a delivery truck to the same house multiple times a week, and the company says holding orders for a single day during the week will also allow it to group orders within a single package, thereby reducing packaging. Customers can select their preferred day of the week to receive shipments. Customers can add items to their Amazon Day shipments up to until two days in advance of the shipments. Customers can choose to remove an item from the Amazon Day delivery, having it shipped more expeditiously expeditiously if necessary. Select Prime members have already had access to the program, but it was made available to all Prime members of last Thursday. The program is a part of Amazon's plan to get 50% of its shipments to net zero carbon emissions by 2030. Interesting. So, I, although am an environmentally conscious person i Mm. like the environment i didn't think of the environment (laughs) i like the environment i love the environment i love this earth i'm happy that we live on it Uh, that's not what i thought of i thought of all of the people who steal things off of people's porches remember that story we had know the day they're gonna know when it's coming i'm just gonna every thursday they get their shipments i'm just gonna pick a day when i'm home and make it my day hey 
There you I'm go. I'm just picking the day I'm home. Nice. Right? Like, say I always have Saturdays off. Mm. Saturday's my new ship day. That's it. Bam. I'm home. I'm curious to know how much of a difference this can actually make. Because if you and I were neighbors, yeah. and I wasn't subscribed to this, but you were, yeah. well, the truck is still coming. Right? Right. So you're delaying your shipment, but mine's still coming. So what difference does it make? Now, where I could see it making a difference for me personally, yeah. but it would take everybody participating in this, is like Christmas time. Right. Because at Christmas time, it's like, oh, here's another great idea for the kids. Oh, here's another great one. And so you're ordering multiple different orders rather than putting them all into one package. Right. And it's sometimes, I mean, if it's Christmas, you don't want the packages to be delivered at a time when you're not home and they are, right? It would make sense mm. for you to pick a time you are home. That's the part that I like. That doesn't affect me because it gets delivered to the office, but, but it could be put into one box. My office. At Christmas time, just right. as an example. My clinic is closed three, day, three days a week. Wow. Three what days a week. What do you do with week? all your free time? I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I would not pick a day the clinic was closed if I was having something. Sure. Right? Yeah. It just, I love it. And now, to me, the carbon footprint, like the emissions minimization, to me, is secondary to the convenience of just picking the day. Okay. okay. I, I really love it. What are your thoughts? Again, I'm, I'm just a little skeptical about the impact, whether it's really that notable on the environment. This is what I'm saying. It's not, I mean... That's how it's being marketed. It's how it's being marketed. And I understand that it's being marketed like that because we all love the earth and we all want to do well for the earth. But for me, it's the convenience of knowing I don't necessarily need next day shipment. I ha I'm okay. a Prime member. Yeah, yeah. I don't need that. Yeah. I need it to come when I'm available to receive it. Sure. That is it. Okay. Yeah, you don't want it left on your doorstep. Not these days. No. No. It's crazy no, porch absolutely. pirates. Yeah, you porch pirates. <laughs> Microsoft is creating Windows Lite for dual screen and Chromebook-like devices. Microsoft is preparing a new lightweight version of, of Windows for dual screen devices and Chromebook, Chromebook competitors. They're stripping back the Windows user interface with dual screens in mind. This new hardware could launch as early as later this year, depending on chip and PC maker readiness. Intel has been pushing OEMs to create this new hardware category, and machines could appear much like Microsoft's courier concept, dual screen laptops, or even foldable displays in the future. Either way, Microsoft wants Windows to be ready for PC makers to take advantage of it. The Windows Lite interface will be similar to Windows as it exists today, but will be more of a blend of what Microsoft does with its Surface Hub shell and the limited functionality of its Windows Phone Continuum user interface. Microsoft might be targeting dual screen devices initially, but the longer plan is for Windows Lite to help the company better compete against Chromebooks. Microsoft has previously tried restricting Windows 10 with an S mode to just Microsoft Store apps, but most of the legacy of the Windows interface remains. Microsoft is now looking to ship something a lot more basic with Windows Lite and build on top of it for more complexity down the line. It's not clear exactly when Microsoft will ship Windows Lite or what it will eventually be named. The software maker has been experimenting with these ideas for years as it has watched Chrome OS grow in popularity throughout schools in the U.S. Microsoft is holding its Build Conference in Seattle early 
in early May, and that would be an ideal opportunity to start revealing parts of what its window light strategy, especially if it wants developers to build a native app and web experiences for the new platform. Really comes back to kind of the Sony case, where it's like they're they're just a little bit behind. Yeah. Where technology is, where the, the user is. Yeah. Microsoft is the same. It's like, okay, well, everybody's using their phones and their tablets. And, and they're like, oh, we should probably do that. Yeah, we should yeah, probably good job, good job, Microsoft. Into something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they make that switch. Do we even, do we even want it? No. I am. Do you I, want it? I uh, no, and I would be aggravated by them trying. It's like it. Ah, I it's, feel like it just kind of feels to me like it's not a needed thing right now. I mean, yes, competition and everything is is a good thing, obviously. But but you're not good at it, Microsoft. No, and I don't. I don't care for you to try to be a part of something else. Like yeah, always uh, a follower, always a follower. <laughs> Linux kernel 5.0 has been released and will tell you what's new. Previously earmarked to be version 4.21, the new release comes with a bucket full of improvements as you'd expect. But don't expect grand changes just because there's a natty new version number. Linus Torvalds explains the numbering change is not indicative of anything special. If you want to have an official reason, it's that I ran out of fingers and toes to count on. So 4.21 became 5.0. As always, the bulk of the improvements sit at the lower end. Most major changes are invisible, intangible, and uninteresting. That said, there are some notable new additions worth mentioning. These include speedy data encryption to low-end devices and hardware, AMD free sync support for dynamic refresh rates, and no screen tearing. The Raspberry Pi touchscreen driver out of the box and a boatload of new hardware support. The upcoming release of Ubuntu 19.04 is almost certain to include Linux kernel 5.0 or a later minor revision should one emerge before kernel freeze on April 1st. That said, you don't have to wait until then. If you're an early adopter who's not afraid to break everything, it's possible to install Linux 5.0 mainline kernel now. There's been a lot of updates to like older hardware components as well and improvements. I think we're going to see things really evolving as far as like the, the performance goes. Right. Mm-hmm. I like it. I also really just like, uh, like Linus Torvald's like, crazy sense of humor. He's just... Yeah. He, he, you wouldn't know it's a sense of humor unless you really analyzed it. Yeah. He's so straight with his presentation. <laughs> He's just like, oh, yeah. Whatever. Uh, don't look too just far decided into to it. Go to 5.0. I'm doing a 5.0. Yeah. I'm just sick of this. <laughs> oh, you're Should right. we jump into cryptocurrency market yes. uh, for the week? I, I do want to just kind of quickly review. We're kind of on the up and up. Um, things are going up. Uh, of course, Bitcoin, uh, according to CoinGecko this week, uh, as of 1,800 hours Eastern time on the 6th of March, um, Bitcoin up $95.34 US. So it is currently, at the time of recording, sitting at 3800 $160.58. Litecoin up to 5505. Ethereum up to 
Ethereum at 136.89, also up, gaining 5.92 US dollars in the past week. Monero is up to 49.20 per coin. And Stellite is uh, losing just a little bit. I mean, it's such fractions, right? Yeah. But a dollar fifty U.S. a dollar fifty U.S. <laughs> wouldn't that be? Yay! Everybody who has a billion Stellite is rich. Uh, One point five zero. <laughs> Ten thousandths of a cent. Of one cent. I really need to write this out a little bit differently. Um, Turtle coin at 0.77 ten thousandths of a cent, not to be mistaken for 77 cents per turtle coin, because if that was the case, well, I, I would, I'd be absolutely rich. We'd be laughing. Oh, could you imagine? Giddy. <laughs> Giddy. Uh, remember, though, that the, uh, the cryptocurrency market never closes, and it is always volatile. Big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category5.tv newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. And I'm Robbie Ferguson. Stick around right after the break. We have a Kingston Data Traveler 2000 to give away. If you've cast your ballot, it could be for you. Don't go anywhere. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit Category5.tv slash partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners, and thank you for watching. As you know, if you've been following Category 5 Technology TV, we've got to replace our broadcast server. It runs Telestream Wirecast. It's amazing software. All of our cameras plug into that device, and then we're able to control them. We're able to produce the show live on the air. You see me pushing buttons and everything, and it actually happens live. Mm -hmm. And then it goes out to you so that you can watch Category 5 Technology TV every single week. Um, so far, we have raised $375 toward our goal. That now, is good. Thank you to everyone who has pitched in. We appreciate it so very much. We're a ways off. We need to raise about $2,000 more in order to get to that point. We've okay. added everything up. We've figured it out. Mm -hmm. So we have a processor in line. We've got all of the peripherals in line. We do have some sponsors that are helping out as well. Um, but we need to actually raise $1,000 a month for the next two months in order to be able to, uh, to build that computer. We can do that. We can do that. Yeah. And the yeah. reason we're doing that, it's not so that Robbie can have a great gaming rig. No, it's because our broadcast system that we use to broadcast Category 5 TV is on its way out. It's, it's actually dying. Like, there's blue smoke coming out of it right now. I can, we can smell it in the room. It's not really, bad. but it, it, it is bad. It's getting there. It's been really gracious to kind of hold on, but it's at, at the end of its life for sure. Mm -hmm. So uh, we do need to replace it. Our goal is uh, by mid-May. 
we'll be building this system. So that gives us just about two months, so $1,000 a month to raise. Mm-hmm. Um, so just keep it in mind, if you're able to pitch in a little bit extra, um, then just uh, keep that in the back of your mind and, and actually head on over to our tip jar, donate.category5.tv, and throw some in there. Um, if everybody just you know threw something in, then we'd be there in, in a matter of... Exactly. Like, like immediately. And, I mean, if... If you're thinking in American dollars, <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah, yeah, do it in American dollars. We're up here in Canada, so what is a thousand dollars to us is four dollars to you. Exactly. So you know, just uh, just keep that in the back of your mind Two as coffees, well. Really. Your your twenty dollars may go a little further than you expect. So uh, so that's something to keep in the back of your mind. So thank you to everyone who has been supporting us in that. Um, it is something that uh, that we're excited and eager about, but at the same time, it's just, it has to happen. Yeah, it's not something we plan for it's just uh it's something that needs to uh, occur in order to keep going at the strength that we are and incidentally it will be an upgrade for us because modern hardware is a lot newer and current than stuff that we built eight years ago kind of thing so um so that's gonna improve things around here we're gonna be able to do uh, even better quality shows for you i believe that uh, very much uh, also to our patrons, if you're on uh, Patreon, you can participate in uh, in that by getting some exclusive content like our vlog, Behind the Scenes, and uh, that is at patreon.com slash category5, and we thank you for that. Uh, okay, we ready for it? Now time yes. for us to give back to you just a little bit. Now, I have been in love with Kingston's Data Traveler 2000. Yes. This thing is awesome because you've seen it on the show, cat5.tv slash DT2000. I don't need to really give you a, a review, but I will give you a synopsis because we have shown this on the show. It is an encrypted flash drive that has a touchpad in it. So um, you don't have to use any software in order to decrypt your device. You punch in your password and now it's ready. You plug it into anything, including like a smart TV or some other device where you can't install decryption software and it will work. Um, and it's encrypted. So if someone doesn't know the password, they can't access the files. If they try to guess your password, if they do it 10 times, it's going to wipe itself. Uh, it, bas- it destroys the key, so it will no longer be decryptable. Right. So the data is just garbage. Don't so, lose your password. So don't lose your password. But that, that is like a great security feature. So I've got one of these to give away. Thank you for casting your ballots. Uh, more information is below. Let's get right into it. Yes. If you see your name, well... Good luck. Here we go. I see Richard Blessing. Hey, buddy. William Burlingham. Uh, we got Joel. Everybody's flying by. Neil, Bob, David, Thomas. All right. Alan Peck. Hey. Michael Rutherford. Good luck, everybody. Stan. Peter. This is Thanks great. for watching. Here we go. Chad Baker. And things are slowing down. We're getting close. Here it is, our winner, Harold Jennings. Harold, congratulations. You've just won yourself a brand new shiny Kingston Data Traveler DT2000. Make Beautiful. sure you send us an email with your shipping address, and I'll get one of those in the mail for you right away. Hey, there's still time to qualify because maybe I've got more than one. I'm just saying. So make sure you check below because you may want to win one of those. Uh, these things are fantastic. But that's all the time that we have this week. Congratulations uh, to our winner, Harold. Um, we just need to know where to send it. <laughs> yeah, and then exactly. it'll, be, it'll be on its way to you. Super. And thank you to everybody for sending in your ballots. If you already sent in a ballot, don't worry. You're still in the next draw. But uh, you still have time to send in a ballot if you haven't done so already. Perfect. Do it. 
You're away next week. I'm away you next week. You are snowboarding in, on kilometer-long trails. That's right. 11 like kilometers. 11 kilometers wow. is, the, is the run I'm going to do for sure. I'm committed to that one. Awesome. Might so have fun. Twice. Be safe. Send us photos or video if I you will. can. I'll try and white balance it all. <laughs> That'll be great. <laughs> and uh, you have a fantastic week. We are on Twitter at Category 5 TV, uh, or there's myself personally, at Robbie Ferguson. We're also on YouTube as Category 5 TV, uh, or if you prefer to watch edited down copies of Category 5, you can look up Linux Tech Show. Uh, we're also on the Roku Channel Store, and you can get our Plex or Cody channels at github.com slash cat5tv. And of course, our main website ties everything together. You can find that at category5.tv. Have a great week, everybody. See ya.